and I'll tell you, Ben, if we play this right, if we play this right, I'm hoping that this can inspire us and inspire our chambers to pursue developing cleaner economies where clean energy can be a top economic development priority and a strategy. Hello, and welcome to the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast, brought to you by North Carolina Sustainable Energy Association. I'm your host, Ben Stockdale. Hello, Squeaky Clean listeners. And welcome to the 26th episode of the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast, bringing the latest in clean energy right to your ears. In today's featured NCSEA business members are Yes Solar Solutions and the North Carolina Business Council. I am so glad that you're back with us for our regularly scheduled programming because last episode, as you may have noticed, was specifically made for all the kids who are home from school due to the coronavirus. No shade to any of the great past guests we've had, but Squeaky Clean for Kids was definitely the cutest episode we have ever made. So, if you know some kiddos ages about 7 to 12 who are home from school and want to learn about clean energy from some of their peers, then please send them the last episode titled Squeaky Clean for Kids! In this episode, I am sitting down at a very safe distance with Susan Monroe, who plays one of the most important roles in North Carolina's clean energy economy because she is providing clean energy insight and guidance to economic development leaders in chambers of commerce across the state. From the emerging offshore wind industry to the advancement of utility-scale solar in rural communities, Susan is helping usher in North Carolina's clean energy future. And without further ado, let's get this show on the road. Clean energy. Clean energy. Our guest today is the Director of Economic Development for Chambers for Innovation in Clean Energy, also known as CICE. She joined Chambers for Innovation in Clean Energy in 2018 after serving for seven years as president of the Van Wert Area Chamber of Commerce in Ohio, which is home to the largest wind farm in the state. While at the Van Wert Chamber, she led her board, community, and other Ohio Chambers of Commerce to understand and support the economic benefits of wind and solar farm development. Our guest now coaches chamber and economic development leaders and other influencers on how to best navigate renewable energy development to help their communities prosper. As a colleague and peer, she shares best practices, impressive stories and data to help chambers and economic development organizations advocate locally and at the state level for what is often the number one opportunity for economic growth in rural communities, clean energy development. Our guest is a graduate of the University of North Carolina at Greensboro, and she also earned a Master of Arts in Corporate Communications at Fairleigh Dickinson University. She lives in Raleigh, North Carolina with her husband, Steve, and has three sons. Our guest loves to hike, cook, read books, and looks forward to adopting her next rescue beagle. So, friends of the pod, let's give a squeaky clean welcome to today's very special guest, Susan Monroe. 
Susan, welcome to the pod. Thank you, Ben. I am happy to be with you today. Yeah, we are so excited to have you. And just to give some background to our listeners, Susan and I have really been working together on quite a few different things. And really collaborating with the chambers has been a good way to get legislators involved and show them that clean energy really is a priority for a lot of these chambers, especially as I read in the intro in rural communities. So really happy to have you on the show today and looking forward to this conversation. Great. Awesome. So today, obviously, the main story, not only in North Carolina, but nationwide, is the crisis that we are currently experiencing with COVID-19. So I want to talk about life before COVID and what you had been working on and what kind of projects you were seeing momentum on. So maybe bring us up to speed on what CICE had been doing in the state, particularly in North Carolina, before COVID-19. Sure, Ben. Um, Well, my primary goal in North Carolina is to engage and educate chambers of commerce about the opportunities of clean energy development. So much of what I do, I can do remotely, but there's obviously no substitute for face-to-face meetings and opportunities and events like tours or economic development summits face-to-face meetings like you and I took part in with the solar tours that we did. And of course, so those opportunities have now been postponed and being reworked. They may become virtual events on Zoom. I mean, everybody's doing Zoom now, or they could take place as conference calls or webinars. So that's what I'm working on right now. I'll give you an example. And it's also obviously with what we are experiencing with the virus and chambers of commerce, they have a lot on their minds. They are really busy just trying to keep the doors open of their local businesses. So they're working day and night on helping their businesses continue to experience success. And what does that look like right now for them in the midst of COVID-19? But I'll give you an example of one thing that we're considering doing. There was a lot of momentum building in the state with the governor's clean energy plan. Obviously, chambers as the voice of business, it's really important that they're on board too and that they know what's going on so they can support that in their communities and figure out what maybe what kind of job opportunities that there might be associated with the clean energy plan. So we're thinking about having um, maybe a Zoom event or a Zoom webinar where we invite some state officials and chambers of commerce throughout North Carolina to have an opportunity to ask questions and state officials can present what's happening today and what can happen tomorrow with the Clean Energy Plan, what that looks like right now in consideration of the virus So that's one of the things that we may have done an in-person event, and we're transitioning that into a virtual event. Got you. So the work of CIC is continuing, but like pretty much all industries, it's being taken virtual, and a lot of the advocacy work is going to be done either over Zoom or email or those kinds of channels. Correct. Right. That's definitely what I've been experiencing as well. And and thankfully, for the sake of this podcast, we can do it remotely. So this is how we're bringing this to you. Otherwise, Susan and I might even be in Raleigh together. So 
Susan, what kinds of resources can Chambers of Commerce provide to clean energy companies and professionals, and how has this been affected by COVID? Right. I think I mentioned before, Chambers of Commerce are really the voice of business in their communities. They're the voice of business growth. That's why they exist. That's why chamber directors all over the state get up every day. And that's what they do. They help their business community grow and and thrive. So in working with clean energy companies, a chamber can help connect them with the right county officials, the right community officials. They can help them organize job fairs. They can help make the right connections in the community in terms of organizations to reach out to. They can help them out with behind-the-scenes info on media and how to best work with the local media. The Chamber definitely understands that. Whatever a clean energy company needs to achieve success, the Chamber can help them get there. Right now, in the midst of COVID-19, they can still make that happen. They can still help make those connections, and they can really be an introduction between the clean energy company and the community, because clean energy projects are still proceeding. They're still going forward. Yeah, that's great to hear. One of the things you mentioned that's key is the connection to the community. When I was traveling the state, earlier this year and meeting with folks who had solar projects in their communities, I noticed that the communities wanted to be looped in on the projects that were taking place in their communities. The companies that make that extra effort to meet the community members and let them know what solar will mean for them. And in a lot of ways, it's positive economic benefits. I think making that community connection can make things like the permitting process a lot easier and just bringing people in that will be affected by either a solar project or a wind project makes that an easier process, not only for the company, but for the community in general. Right, Ben. And there's also some outstanding work being done with chambers who are actually going a step further in advocating not only with their local officials, but at the state level as well for clean energy development. And that's really a critical role that that chambers can play. And they can do that because they are 501c6 organizations. So it, so it allows them to advocate and and educate local officials about the economic benefits of clean energy projects. As chambers work to rebuild their local economies under COVID and post-COVID, what role do you see clean energy playing in that effort? I will tell you, obviously, they have a lot on their minds right now. I would love for clean energy to be top of mind for every chamber director in North Carolina, but that's probably not the case at this very moment. Right. They are really um, chambers in North Carolina. They are doing some incredible work to help their local businesses keep their doors open. They are having all kinds of campaigns to encourage residents to shop local, whether it's ordering out or tipping extra or ordering gift cards. They're coming up with creative ways to support 
their local economies. They're having local webinars on how businesses can best access that support at the state and federal lo- local for disaster assistance, payroll funding, etc. I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples of chambers, and there are so many. This is by no means an extensive list, but the Triangle East Chamber of Commerce that serves the greater Smithfield, Selma area, they actually had a virtual grand opening on Facebook that they did for a local nursery and produce stand that was having a grand opening and they did it online. Whereas it would have normally been like a, you know, a ribbon cutting face-to-face event. They did, they, they took that and they brought it online. The Outer Banks Chamber, they collected hundreds and hundreds of bags of groceries for hospitality workers that have been furloughed or have been let go during this time. The Greater Chapel Hill Carborough Chamber, they have been offering incredible multiple business briefings for their business community on like payroll protection, disaster loans, and just the very latest in state and federal policy. Hendersonville Chamber, so on the other side of the state, Hendersonville Chamber has been offering a series of Zoom webinars on topics like employment law, COVID-19, and maintaining your inner calm, which I think that all businesses need right now. Yes, and not just all businesses, but all people. Yeah, and I love this. I love this example from the Statesville Chamber. The Greater Statesville Chamber, they are offering free black and white copies, prints, for educators, um, for students and parents and small businesses. And you can even drive up right in front of their office and they'll bring it out to you. So really just creative ways um, that chambers are, are working to serve their business community, all while the actual chamber organizations, they're figuring out themselves on how to deal with what's going on and their own uncertainty and operational issues. But the number one goal is to support their local business community. You work throughout the country for CICE and you work for chambers in all different geographic locations. But what makes North Carolina unique when working to advance clean energy? Well, I what I'm going to say, I don't know if it'll surprise some, but um, since I do work around the country, most of my time is spent on North Carolina and, and actually some time in Ohio as well. But I will tell you, the bipartisan support of clean energy in North Carolina is, is like the envy of many of my colleagues. That's awesome to hear. And, and it's, hey, and I'm not saying that we couldn't use more Republican support, but I'm telling you what, leadership, I'm going to give a shout out to state leaders like Senator Bob Steinberg, Representative Larry Strickland, Representative John Soka. It really sets us apart from other states. And here's why we have, you know, a Democrat governor, but we have a Republican general assembly. And those aren't the only conservatives in North Carolina, but but those are some of the leaders and they don't see, and, and I know there will be listeners saying, oh brother, but I'm telling you, they don't see party affiliation when it comes to renewable energy. They only see economic opportunity. They see job growth for our state. 
I mean, it is their goal to have an open for business sign for renewable energy developers in our state. And we are very fortunate because of it. Yeah, that's awesome to hear you say that. I get the same sense that just to have met with so many Republican lawmakers that are so supportive of clean energy is really encouraging. For me, it validates the fact that clean energy is truly a market-driven solution that provides so many benefits to the chambers of commerce that take advantage of it or the companies that are making inroads in the state with it. So the bipartisan support is huge. And you see a bill like House Bill 329, which expanded EV charging business opportunities in North Carolina this past session. And that was led by Representative John Zoka, who's a Republican. So you're right. The, the bipartisan support really does make North Carolina stand out. And that's why we've been able to be a leader in solar. We didn't get to number two in the nation and installed solar just with one party leading the way. I think it really has been a bipartisan effort. Agreed. Yes. North Carolina has the greatest offshore wind potential of any state on the East Coast. And during the 2019 long legislative session, we were working to advance Representative Holly Granges, and she's also a Republican, by the way, House Bill 903, which would have commissioned a study to analyze the supply chain and port potential for an offshore wind industry in North Carolina. So, Susan, what do you see as the future for offshore wind in North Carolina, and how do you think we get there? Well, Ben, I hope we have a lot of time because I'm excited about a lot of things for North Carolina and clean energy, but this is really exciting. And any opportunity, you know, I have to share about the economic benefits of offshore wind in North Carolina. I love, I love to do so. So as you mentioned, I do think the studies for the supply chain and offshore wind, I think they'll happen one way or the other that Holly Grange has worked on. I think they will happen, whether it's state policy or private sector supported or whatever. I think those studies will happen. There's so much on the line and momentum right now for offshore wind. Avon Grid Renewables is developing a project, as you know, off the shore of North Carolina, Kitty Hawk Wind. It's going to be up to 2,500 megawatts. So if you think of that in terms of energy generation, think about that that would be enough power to power 700,000 homes. Wow. So it's a big, big project. They're already working on designing, researching, planning. They've already invested millions of dollars in the project. And I got to tell you, the Outer Banks Chamber of Commerce could not be more excited about the project as well. So we had an event on March 12th. It was actually the Outer Banks Chamber last major event before COVID-19 and the meeting requirements were set into place by the governor. But the morning of March 12th, we gathered at a facility in Kitty Hawk and we discussed the economic benefits of offshore wind and other clean energy development at the Outer Banks Economic Summit event. And what I was most impressed with is the enthusiasm of the chamber in their support of offshore wind. They have a chair of economic development for the chamber, and his name is Tim Beecham. And he shared a few remarks at the summit, which I thought were incredible. He, he stated that he doesn't think that there's 
more important work that the Outer Banks Chamber can do than to support clean energy development, including offshore wind, as they work to create a stronger, more diversified, and more sustainable economy. So I don't think I've heard a stronger statement of support for offshore wind than than by the Outer Banks Chamber and their economic development chair than at that event. And so you have the Outer Banks Chamber supporting that project for sure, as does Curatuck Chamber and their economic development group as well. But when we talk about the offshore wind development, you know, yeah, it's going to be lots of jobs and lots of construction jobs and maintenance jobs after, after the wind farm is built. And that's great. But another great story for offshore wind is supply chain development. And if you think about one turbine, Ben, it has 8,000 different components. Wow. Each wind turbine has 8,000 different components. So that's a lot of manufacturing opportunity. And our opportunity for offshore wind is that most, a lot of those components now are manufactured overseas. Mm. As all of these offshore wind projects develop off the East Coast, there's going to be tremendous opportunity, not only for North Carolina, but you know, for, for the other states as well, but to get a piece of that action. And not only will that be an opportunity for our existing companies to diversify their product lines, but it will also be an opportunity for us to, to work to entice and recruit some other companies to come to North Carolina to build those components here. Oh, absolutely. There are just so many opportunities with offshore wind, as you mentioned, just from from the sheer fact that we have to build these huge structures. You can't build this in the middle of the country and then ship it out to the coast. You really want to be building as close to the port as you possibly can. So it's a perfect opportunity for North Carolina to lean into this manufacturing piece of offshore wind, but also for the fact that we have such a huge potential for offshore wind given our geography. Right. And actually, we have the best wind potential of up and down the East Coast. Yep. So so we should be very proud of that. Definitely. So as we're looking forward to how COVID really is going to affect the clean energy industry, what do you think is the number one challenge that the industry is facing? And, and how do you see local chambers working to address those challenges? Well, this is all new, right? I mean, we're just all figuring that out right now. Sure. But I can tell you, I think a lot of the impact on clean energy will be temporary in terms of supply chain issues that I think will delay projects. There will be natural delays with various employment issues. I can tell you wind and solar techs are considered essential employees. So so they so they are still working and as much as chambers are concerned in the here and now and taking care of their own families and their own help, also helping businesses in the community. For many of these chamber leaders, they're waking up at 3 a.m. in the morning thinking about what's next. Where do we go from here? And I can tell you for economic development and for clean energy, if you can discuss silver linings for COVID-19, 
there are some. And I think that we can look at some of the lessons that we're learning right now and how chambers can can help their communities build on that and dig in to rebuild their local economy. And I'll and I'll tell you something that I actually heard at the International Economic Development Council webinar this week is that carbon emissions and pollution, you know, from cars and factories have drastically reduced during this period, during our, our the the pandemic. And and that's not surprising. And 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 those emissions will continue to decline at least while the nation is dealing with the virus. So what's the result of that? Well, you know, people are waking up and they're seeing clearer skies. Um, We're waking up and we're all breathing cleaner air and we're healthier because of that. And I'll tell you, Ben, if we play this right, if we play this right, I'm hoping that this can inspire us and inspire our chambers to pursue developing cleaner economies where clean energy can be a top economic development priority and a strategy. And some of those benefits of what we're experiencing now in terms of cleaner air, they can continue. And I'll and, I, and I'll give you another example. Um, there was a, a poll that was released, I think just this morning, a British poll, and 45, 45% of those surveyed um, in England said they would consider swapping out their current car for an EV in the wake of what they've experienced now during the coronavirus. So let's let's take that revelation and that poll result and how does that equate to economic development? Well, it's easy. EV car manufacturing, um, EV battery manufacturing, charging stations. And so that's just an example of how a chamber or economic development group can take something like that and build on it for their community. Wow. Really appreciate you bringing that positive perspective on this situation because there's so much information out there that can show us the doom and gloom. But just to think that this could be the inspiration and catalyst for a future cleaner economy and perhaps even catalyze it at a faster rate can give us a lot of hope. So I really appreciate you you sharing that, Susan. Thank you. And Ben, if you take a look at the impact and the diversification that clean energy has already brought to a lot of communities in North Carolina with, with wind and solar development in terms of guaranteed tax revenue generation for 20 to 25 years, Right. There's guaranteed land owner payment. And those tax revenues, you know, it, it can include school funding and emergency services and maybe the county libraries. It's all helps diversify a community's economy. Clean energy development because of that is considered somewhat recession proof. And I know that's a big promise to put out there, but in many ways it is because of that consistent tax revenue generation. Sure, absolutely. And when we were talking with the legislators about it, we even called it mailbox money, where you, know, you set up a 50 megawatt or 5 megawatt solar farm. Those are direct checks to the county for property tax and direct checks to the landowners for leasing their land. So you're exactly right that this can be a consistent stream of revenue, even in uncertain times. 
And this is what in some ways makes clean energy development and economic development or chamber directors ideal project is that it also requires no infrastructure investment. It requires no water investment. So you're right as you describe that as mailbox income. As we are closing out today here, Susan, what are some ways that people can get in touch with CICE or even contact you? Sure, Ben. Well, I am here to help chambers and other groups to offer resources and connections and toolkits, best practices to help you leverage how to encourage clean energy jobs and investment in your communities. You are welcome to contact me, Susan Monroe at Susan at chambersforinnovation.com. And you can also find out more. Chambersforinnovation.com is our website. And we're also on Facebook and Twitter. Would love to hear from you. Fantastic. Yes, Susan is an amazing resource and really knows the key players for your company and for your chamber to connect with if they want to explore and develop clean energy in their area. So I want to thank you so much, Susan, for joining us on the show today and sharing all of this really important information, especially during this time. Thanks, Ben. And I hope you stay safe and well and wash your hands. Yes, absolutely. You stay safe and healthy out there. And thanks again. Thank you. And that's all, folks. Thanks so much for joining us today. My key takeaway for this show is that, as Susan mentioned, there may, in fact, be a silver lining for the clean energy industry in all of this. And it is not going to be easy to weather this storm. But just as the energy that our industry creates, we are resilient, and we are all in this together. NCSEA is here to help you through this crisis, so please reach out to us because we are more committed than ever to continuing our work in advancing North Carolina's clean energy future. Stay safe out there, please wash your hands, and I hope you and your loved ones have a great day.